0: holy ghost is in this place amen i'm thankful to be in an apostolic church man i feel it right now hallelujah amen we still preach and teach the apostles doctrine repentance water baptism in jesus name and the infilling of the holy ghost it's the greatest experience amen it's the greatest experience you'll ever have amen the book of isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 and then to the book of luke chapter number 4 Amen. I'm looking forward to school starting. Amen. The young people are not, but I am, because folks get back from vacation. Amen. We get, every, get our momentum going in the right direction some more. Amen. What a wonderful summer we've had baptizing people every week. Amen. Thankful for that. I think they baptized two young people earlier this week in a swimming pool while our baptistry was being cleaned. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is a prophecy, a messianic prophecy given by Isaiah several hundred years before Jesus came. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Everybody say the day of vengeance. Say the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Luke chapter number four, verse number 16 through verse 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, And recovering of sight to the blind. Would you say recovering of sight to the blind? Say it one more time. And recovering of sight to the blind. And set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now look, I've got a title. I'm gonna talk about two specific things. I could talk, if I was gonna talk about all the differences a savior makes. You don't have time. I don't have enough oxygen. If all the things that, were, that he had done were written in a book, all the libraries in the world wouldn't contain them. And so for your sake, I'm gonna narrow it down to two. Two differences a savior makes. Look at somebody and say, he's gonna preach about two differences that a Savior makes. Lord, I pray, God, anoint me to preach your word. Let the Holy Ghost move in this place. Confirm your word with signs following. Have your way in this place, God. Let the anointing destroy yokes, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a praise tonight? Give him a praise today. Lift your voice with that hand clap. Are you ready for the Holy Ghost to do something in this place? God's getting ready to touch somebody in a powerful way this morning. God bless you. You can be seated. Bishop and Sister Wilson, always so good to have you home. There are subjects in the Bible that, just to be very honest with you, preachers don't really like to preach too much. We live in a day and time when people don't want to really hear what the Bible says. The scripture said there'll come a time when they won't endure sound doctrine. Many in the modern age prefer just a feel-good religion. No responsibility, no ramifications, no requirements, just let me hear the good stuff. But we have to realize that the Christian life and walk is not designed to comfort or to please our flesh. The Bible was not written like a buffet menu where we take only what fits our desired lifestyle and leave the rest behind. We don't change the Bible to fit our lives. We change our lives to fit the Bible. Amen. It's a good place to give the Lord a little praise right there. If we'll get that down in our spirit real good, we'll have a lot easier time living for God. But I will tell you, I cut my teeth on judgment, preaching, and teaching. My pastor, when I would grow up, he had a chart that would stretch from one side of the auditorium all the way to the other. It was, And he would pull it out, and it was a chart of the book of Revelation, and he would take weeks and he would talk and teach about what was going to happen in the end of the world and we heard about a beast with 10 horns and the mark of the beast in 666 and we'd hear about the judgments and the wrath of God and blood to the horses bridle and we would hear about all of the judgment and all that was dis- all the destruction that would come in the book of revelation in the old days evangelists would come And they would preach hell so hard you could almost feel your feet on fire. Anybody remember those days? Amen. I remember one time when I was growing up, they showed a video at church. And I should have known when they announced for about three services before that that, that, uh, if you have little kids, you may not want to bring them. Apparently, my mom missed that announcement. And uh, I remember sitting in the church and they showed that video of Hell's Flames or something. I don't know. I don't remember what it was called. But I remember uh, about this man in hell crying out about his missed opportunity to be saved. I don't understand. I didn't understand a lot about that movie. But I knew one thing for sure, that I did not want to go to hell no matter what. Amen. There there are subjects in the Bible that we may not like to hear, but it's still in the Bible, and we still have to talk about it sometimes. Amen. The book of Isaiah said that there was a day of vengeance of our God. I don't like to preach about it. I don't like to preach it, but it's still true. Someday God is going to fold his arms in judgment, and he will take vengeance on the sinner And the ungodly there is coming a day of vengeance of our God the definition of the word vengeance in the Hebrew is it means to have revenge or to quarrel or fight with it comes from a root word that means to have a grudge or to punish to avenge to entertain revengeful feelings the Bible said that there is coming a day of vengeance of our God A day when God will have vengeance on the sinner. You can say praise the Lord. It'll be all right. Amen. There is coming a judgment day. Praise God. I know we don't like to hear about it, but there's coming a judgment day, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Be sure there is a judgment day coming on this world. Second Thessalonians 1 and 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are New Testament. This is a New Testament scripture right here. Am I right? Hebrews is in the New Testament, isn't it? Second Thessalonians is in the New Testament, isn't it? Again, the book of Hebrews said in, verse, in chapter 10 and verse 30 and 31, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. May I tell you there is a day of judgment coming on this world verse peter 4 and 18 if the righteous scarcely be saved i don't know where people got this idea you can do whatever you want and still be saved i don't know where where people got the idea that you can live any way you want to live just be haphazard in your attendance to church act like worship isn't important and prayer doesn't matter and holiness doesn't matter and still think the bible said if the righteous scarcely be saved where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear indeed my brothers and sisters there is a day of vengeance coming to this world to sinners to the ungodly and to those who have rejected the good grace and mercy of our living god amen i don't expect a lot of shouting about judgment I don't expect a whole lot of rejoicing about judgment. But just because it's unsavory doesn't mean that it's not in the Word of God. And sometimes we just have to remind people there is a day of judgment that will indeed come on this world. The fact is that someday God will take vengeance on sin. And by that, the sinner as well. And you don't want to be in sin when the Lord comes back and takes vengeance against the sin today's convenient religion doesn't like to talk about it but it's still true someday god is going to judge this old world modern religion has made the bible a mockery amen that there's almost nothing there's almost no such thing as a sinner these days amen everything's all right everything's permissive everything's okay but my friend this is an age of tolerance for everything but christianity praise god i'll come to preach a little while y'all can help me or not tolerance is the doctrine of our society doesn't matter how you live how you believe how you act the whole world is supposed to be tolerant of every kind of sin and every kind of perversion The only thing this modern world's not tolerant of is Christianity and true Bible holiness. We have to understand that God hates sin. God hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he hates sin. I wish somebody'd shout amen. He hates sin, and someday he's going to judge the sinner. I must give one final warning this morning before I move on to the rest of the message. God's vengeance will not start in the world. Amen. I said God's vengeance will not start in the world. It's not going to start in the prisons with the murderers and the rapists and the thieves. It's not going to start in the brothels and the bars. It's not going to start in Hollywood or Washington, D.C. God's vengeance will not begin with the criminal, the abuser, or the violent first peter 4 17 for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of god and if it begin first of us at us what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of god may i tell you the judgment of god is not starting in the world it's starting in the house of god those who have tasted of his mercy his grace his good word and his heavenly gift god will begin at those who know better Folks, we got to live right. You hear me? This is not the time to get slack. This is not the time to let your praise get lazy. It's not the time to become carnal and worldly and apathetic. Now is not the time to lay back, sit back, or relax in the spirit. Amen. It's time. It's time to run with everything you've got. 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Know ye not that they... Which run, run, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Notice this last phrase so run that you may obtain, run to win, run to get the prize. Don't run to lose, run to win. Amen. In the long race of life, don't run just to die at the end and be lost. Run this race to win. In a race, the runner sets a pace and they run knowing that they have a long way to go. But as the race enters the final lap, they pick up the pace and they run with all that they have because they are running to win. Folks, may I tell you that now is the time to run to win. Now is the time to kick it into another gear. Now is the time to give your all. Now is the time to give everything. We have come to the end of all time, and it's time to run this race to win, not just to lose. We now come to our text for this morning. Say, oh no, it was exactly 13 minutes on the nose when I've made that transition, in case you're wondering. Luke chapter 4 begins with the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. In this paracope of scripture, Satan tempts Jesus and tries to get him, he gives Jesus to worship the devil. Jesus resists the temptation. And the Bible said he comes out in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like I'm getting ready to help somebody in just a minute. He comes out of temptation in the power of the Spirit. Can I tell you today that this is a little secret that the devil doesn't want you to know? That there is still power in saying no to temptation. Amen. Can I help somebody this morning? Most of us, when we get tempted to sin... We feel gross and dirty just for feeling tempted. But the truth is that Jesus himself was tempted. You know, I'm telling you the truth. There's some of you, you beat yourself up every time you get tempted to do anything. And you think things like if I was a real Christian, I wouldn't get tempted by that. Or if I really had victory, I wouldn't be tempted like that. Or if I really had gotten, if I really was who God wanted me to be, I wouldn't have temptation. My friend, that's a lie from hell. Even Jesus himself was tempted. But there's power in saying no to temptation. Amen. The Bible said that when the devil had ended all the temptation, notice this phrase, he departed from him for a season. Everybody say for a season. season. The devil departed for a season. That word season means just a measure of time, a portion of time or a limited period of time. The devil went away, but the devil didn't go away for good. He went away, but he didn't go away forever. He went away, but he didn't go away for for years and years, just for a little period of time. There are some in this place today that you feel so dirty because you get tempted over and over by the same things. But that's just how the devil works. Even when the devil leaves you alone, he only does it for a season. He only does it for a period of time. But when Jesus was tempted, there was power when he said no to the temptation amen if you'll learn to say no the devil will leave you for a season but you just got to say no i wish somebody shout no right now you just got to learn to say no to temptation and then you say well pastor i said no but he came back well that's the devil's job don't get mad at the devil for doing his job he's a good devil he's good at what he does he's got lots of practice he's got a lot more practice at being the devil than what you do at being a christian so when the devil does devil stuff don't get mad at the devil amen that's just his job he's just doing his job but what you have to understand is you are not dirty for being tempted you are not wrong for being tempted that's just what the devil does but you've got to learn that the power of the spirit comes when you say no praise god so every time you say no and, you, and, and then the devil comes and tempts you again. You ought to take that as a victory because you learned the power of saying no. I've come to tell somebody you've been beating yourself up for weeks and weeks now because the devil's tempting you with stuff that you thought you had out of your life forever. That you've been tempted, he's been tempting you with stuff that you thought you had defeated a long time ago. And here's that temptation again. That's just the way the devil does it. He only leaves for a season. But when you learn the power of saying no, in the power of the spirit and if you say no once you can say no twice and if you said no twice you can say no a third time there's victory in this house for somebody to learn the power of saying no i was i was working on i've been working on this message now now look i'm preaching from luke chapter 4 again tonight if you want practice for tonight just read the whole chapter this afternoon when the devil had ended all the temptation he departed for a season a measure of time. There's some of you that you have no spiritual self-esteem whatsoever. Because every time you get tempted with something from your past that you thought you had completely you see you got con- victory over it, but you still get tempted by it and so you feel like you don't have victory. But when you say no, you've got victory. Even Jesus was tempted, but Jesus was tempted for a season. And the devil, the devil went away for a season, but the devil didn't stay away. I'm telling you, the devil will not stay away. You just got to learn the power of saying no. Praise God. I was hoping y'all would be shouting and come to the altar right now. And I would have to finish, but I'm going to have to keep on going, I reckon. Verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. In the Galilee there is something powerful that happens when you learn just to say no to temptation your problem you not when you get tempted it's not sin you just have to say no the devil wants you to be defeated just for being tempted because he doesn't want you to realize the power of the Holy Ghost that comes every time that you tell the devil no every time that you say I'm not doing that that's another victory for you you ought to rejoice in the spirit Every time the temptation comes and you push that temptation away, you ought to rejoice because that's the power of the Spirit that's helping you to be an overcomer by the word of the Lord, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of your testimony. Fresh off of his temptation. Everybody says fresh off his temptation. So you have to understand that this next, next passage of Scripture comes when Jesus is really sensitive to people who are being tempted. All right? He's just been tempted for 40 days by the devil. It's fresh in his mind. He knows what it feels like to have the devil's voice in his head saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. Worship me. Jump off here. Do that. And he has that, he has that memory fresh in his spirit from 40 days in the wilderness of the devil telling him to give up, to throw in the towel, to sin. So he has this sensitivity to people who are being tempted. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And so the Bible says that fresh off his temptation, this next, this next verse, verse number 16, it comes with this fresh memory of what it feels like to be tempted. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, four important words in this verse, as his custom was. If you are not faithful to church, you cannot be Christ like. Calm down. Hold your shout for later. It's like a high school graduation when they say, you know, just save all the clapping for the end for everybody and nobody does it. The first kid goes through and one person claps, and then graduation just gets two hours longer. (laughs) Calm yourselves. I know that was a powerful thought. As his custom was. If Jesus had the habit of going to church, you ought to have the habit of going to church. Christ, Christian means Christ-like. You cannot be Christ-like if you don't do Christ things. And Jesus was a church goer. I said Jesus was a churchgoer. You can say I can have church on my own. No, you can't. You can sit at home and backslide on your own, but you can't have church on your own because the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, plural. It's the people that come together and Jesus had the custom of going to church. Well, praise God. If you want to overcome temptation, you got to come to church. If you want to be strong in your fight against hell, you got to come to church. You say, well, I don't believe that preacher. That's because you've already lost to the devil. Jesus had the custom of going to church. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Praise God. Let me tell you, when you're weak, keep coming to church. When you're tempted, keep coming to church. When you fail, keep coming to church. When you feel worthless, keep coming to church. When you're tired, keep coming to church. When you're frustrated, keep coming to church. When you're weary, keep coming to church. When you feel no good, keep coming to church. When you feel like you're a failure, keep coming to church. When you feel like you can't make it, my God, get up and come to church. He stood up for to read in verse 17, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He began to read from the book of Isaiah. And he said in verse 18 through 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And look at the first phrase of verse number 20. And he closed the book. To preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Brother Wilson, you know what? I admire you for so many things. But one of the things I really enjoy is how fast you can read the Bible when you're preaching and you're in a hurry. (laughs) Sometimes I pray, God, give me the gift of interpretation. Uh, he, He does everything fast. I was trying to keep up, but I know I wasn't up to that speed. Preached the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book. And then he gave it to the minister, and he sat down. And he sat down, and the Bible said, the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He closed the book, and they're just staring at him. He's just sitting there. He's 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 read what he wanted to read. He's done what he came to do. And he sits down, and they're just looking at him. He feels like maybe I ought to say something else. So verse 21, he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You're seeing this happen right now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, to set people at liberty to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That that phrase means the time of the Lord's favor has come. He said, this is why I'm anointed. I'm anointed to preach the gospel. Preachers, you want to be anointed, preach the gospel. Church, we want to be anointed, heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance, set at liberty those that are bruised, and preach that the Lord's favor has come. It's time for the blessings of God in your life. And everybody's still staring at him because when he said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, he closed the book and sat down. And everybody's just looking at him because he didn't read it exactly how Isaiah said it. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, he says, the Lord's anointed me to preach good tidings. That's the old way of saying the gospel. To bind, which means to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty, which means deliverance. To open the prisons, which means to set at liberty. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. And then when he said that, he closed the book. But notice that what Jesus said and what Isaiah said, Jesus added one thing to what Isaiah said, and then he took one thing Isaiah said out. Two differences that the Savior made. He took one thing out of Isaiah's list and he added one thing to his list. He added to preach recovering of the sight to the blind. That was not in Isaiah's version. Isaiah didn't say anything about recovering sight to the blind. But since Jesus is the author of the book, he'd say what he wants to say. And so Jesus said, not only have I come to deliver you and set you free and open the prisons and, 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 and give you joy and give you divine favor, I've also come to give recovering of sight to the blind. Now notice what it said there. It didn't say to give sight to blind people. He said, I've come to give recovering of sight to blind people. What I've done, I've come to let people that used to be able to see, that now can't see, the ability to see again. Amen. What I've come is to give people who now they can't see what they used to be able to see, the ability to see it all again. What I've come to do is give people their vision back, the ones that used to see that they could do something. The ones that used to think they could live victoriously. The ones that used to believe they could have dominion. But now because of life and circumstance, they don't feel like they can do it anymore. I've come to tell somebody God wants to give somebody their vision back. You can be whole. You can be healed. You can be free. You can be delivered. You can be happy. You can have joy. You can be full of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to get the vision of your victory back. Amen. There's people in this place, you used to shout and have victory, You used to walk in the joy of the Lord, but for whatever reason, life, circumstances, trial, tribulation, and maybe even sin have taken its toll on your soul, but Jesus said, I didn't only come to do all that, I came to give somebody their vision back. I've come to tell you, you can. That, that desire you used to have to live for God, you can get it back. That victory you used to walk in, you can get it back. That joy you used to have, you can get it back. That peace, you, my God, I feel it right now. I'm fighting the devil for somebody's soul today. Jesus said, I've come to restore your vision. Woo, Jesus. Jesus. What a difference a Savior makes. One thing, one difference Jesus makes is when He comes into somebody's life, He gives them the ability to see hope like they've never seen it before, to see a future like you've never seen it before. Let me tell you, when you're bound by sin, all you can see is destruction. All you can see is is doom and gloom and sadness. All you can see is bitterness and weakness and trial. All you can feel is guilt and shame. When you're bound by sin, all you can feel is what a failure I am, what a waste I am. God did all that for me, and I've let him down, but Jesus came to restore your vision. that's not something I because Isaiah wasn't the Messiah Isaiah couldn't see it like Jesus could he wasn't the healer he wasn't the deliverer but when Jesus stepped on the scene with mercy and grace he said I'll give you your vision back there's ministries gonna be rebirthed in somebody's life God's not through using you God's not through using you God's not through using you. He wants you to recover your vision today. I'm telling somebody, you've been beating yourself up. You ought to throw your hands in the air and say, God, give me my old vision back. That's something Jesus added. If you let Jesus touch your eyes today, you can see hope again victory again, deliverance again. I asked the Lord early this morning, I asked the Lord early this morning to give some folks a recovering of sight. Help me get my vision back, God. I know, look, I know that for some, that that your trials and your tribulations and your burdens And the things of of, of life that you feel like such a waste and such a failure because you've been tempted of the devil. And you feel like you're so useless. I know that you probably came in here just because it's a habit as much as anything else. But Jesus didn't come just for you to have the habit of coming to church. He came to help you recover your vision one more time. Your passion to do something for God again. Jesus said, I want you to understand that another reason I've come is to help you get your vision back. You can't see. Maybe you're blind, or maybe you're not completely blind, but you just can't see like you used to. Amen. I, I was trying to get a, a little straw in a little juice bag this morning. I felt like my sugar was dropping, and I I went back and Sister Beverly let me get into in the goodie the goody cabinet back there, and uh, and I had left my glasses in the prayer room. And Brother Patton, I left him up in the prayer room and I, I had that little straw in one hand and that little pouch in the other. And I looked up at them and I said, can somebody help me? Because <laughs> I can see. I just can't see like I used to be able to see. And some of you can see, but you just can't see like you used to be able to see. And Jesus said, I want you to recover your sight today. I want you to get your whole vision back. I want you to see like you used to be able to see when you thought you could do anything for me. When you didn't have the burden of your failure on your shoulder. When you didn't have the burden of your temptation on your... Now, this is what Jesus said when he understood what it was like to be tempted. He said, I know what it's like to have the devil tell you that you can't do it. I know what it's like to have the devil tempt. But I know this much. I want you to get your vision for victory back. Everybody okay? That's okay? That's what he added. Somebody said, that's what he added. Here's what he removed from Isaiah's version. A day of vengeance of our God. If you look at it, you look at the Bible. He's reading along. He says, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. He closed it before somebody could read a step further. because there's a day for vengeance. I've already preached it. There's a day for judgment, it's just not today. Jesus didn't take it out of the Bible. He just said, now's not the time for it. Oh, I wish somebody would say, praise the Lord. He, he, got, he said to preach that the Lord's favor has come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book before he got to the vengeance part. Definition of the word vengeance, I read it earlier, it means to revenge, to quarrel, to grudge, to punish, to avenge, to entertain revengeful feelings. Jesus said, now's not the day of the vengeance of our God. I didn't come in a manger, born of a virgin, sleeping among cows and donkeys and goats and sheep. I didn't come out of the throne room of heaven to be born in a manger and walk these dirty roads and sandals like you. I didn't come down to this world to have to deal with the pressures and the trials and the tribulations and the temptations of this world only to come and hold a grudge and get revenge and to punish you. The reason I'm here right now is to give you an escape from that vengeance that's to come. There's gonna come a judgment day in the future. There's going to come a day when the wrath of God is poured out. But right now, while I'm here, it's not the day of vengeance of our God. It's just the day of recovering of sight, an acceptable year of the Lord. It's a day of deliverance and setting people free and giving people vision. That's the day it is right now. It's not the day of judgment. And it's not the day to punish. Can I tell somebody here today that you cower thinking that God just wants to come out of heaven and squash you for your sin and squash you for every mistake? I've come to tell you, this is not the day for the vengeance of our God. Jesus came to bring mercy and grace. Jesus closed the book before he got to vengeance. Someday, someday the ungodly will be thrown into a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. Someday there's going to be a pit of burning hell where the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. There's going to be a time when somebody's going to be plunged headlong into a lake of fire. But now is not the day for vengeance. Now is the day for mercy and grace. God does not want to bring retribution to you to get you back. He's trying to get you to repent. God doesn't want to punish you. He wants to forgive you. God doesn't have a grudge against you. He has grace for you. God doesn't doesn't want to get back at you. He wants to get you back to him. He wants you to recover your sight and give you grace. What a difference. Two differences. Two differences that a Savior makes. One, he adds the recovering of sight, but the second one he takes away is the judgment of God, and God wants to take judgment off of somebody's life today. Can you lift your hands to heaven all over this house right now? What a difference a Savior makes. Oh God! Oh Jesus! Oh God! Come on, let's pray right now. I'm, I'm I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, trying to let this word sink into somebody's life today. I feel him here. Oh Jesus! Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. The Holy Ghost is here to minister. The presence of the Lord is here to reach. Oh, great God. Oh, God. Oh God, have Your way, baby. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven all over this place? Holy Ghost, have Your way here. Spirit of the Lord, draw. Come on, can you help me pray all over this place? I feel the drawing hand of God on somebody, trying to help them recover their sight and to understand that God is not wanting to bring retribution. He didn't come with a grudge. God's not here with the grudge. God's not here with the grudge against you. He's here, it's not the day of vengeance. He closed the book before he got there. God wants to close the book on your failure and he wants to close the book on your sin and he wants to close the book on your weakness. God wants to close the book on the things that separate you from him. Now is the day of grace, not the day of vengeance. Can you help me pray all over this house? There's a restoration of joy for somebody here today. There's a restoration of ministry for somebody here today. There's a fresh anointing for somebody here today. Oh, Jesus, God, you got to do your work. God, you got to do your work here, Lord. Come on, the altar's open for anyone and everyone that wants to come. There's men and women and young people all over this altar right now. There's room for you. If you're struggling with the overwhelming burden and shame of your temptation, fear not because God has not come to grudge against you and to avenge against you. He's come to extend grace. Oh, the difference that a Savior makes. Hallelujah. Come on, can you come to the altar and pray? Can you minister one to another? Can we give each other strength and help today? Come on, can you help me pray? There's people that are still bound in that cycle of condemnation. There's people who are carrying the heavy burden of condemnation, the loss of spiritual sight. Can you help me pray all over this house? Can you intercede for somebody? Can you reach out and pray for somebody?
1: Jesus, oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh,
0: thank you, Lord. There's hope for you today. There's deliverance for you today. There's restoration for you today. There's recovering of sight for your spirit today. There's a fresh anointing here.
1: Thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you, Lord. Temporary to their life. Because I'm, I'm a long time removed from being a little boy that could climb in my dad's arms. But I remember when I was little and I'd do something I knew I would get in trouble for and I knew I got caught. I remember one time we had, to, uh, we had these big, thick bushes, probably stuck 10 foot off the side of the house, but I'd found I could crawl in behind them. And kind of sitting by the side of the house and nobody didn't know I was there. I did something, Brother Patton, I knew I shouldn't have done. It was probably something horrible, like like took one of my brother's toys or something like that. I don't know what it was. But I knew I was in trouble. And so I went and I hid. And I sat there for hours. I was not coming out. Because I knew, Sister Melinda, I knew I was in trouble. And when my dad got a hold of me, I just knew. And they, they, I could hear him calling my name. I could hear him calling for me. I don't even know, really know if they ever knew what I did. But finally, they figured out where I was. And when my dad came in there and got me, he didn't beat me like I probably deserved. He was just glad he found me. Sometimes when we need our dads the most, we're afraid to come to him. And sometimes when we need our heavenly father the most, we're afraid to come to him. I want to do something. and I I, I don't remember what you were singing. I guess it doesn't really matter. But I I want everybody here, no matter how dirty you feel, no matter how unworthy you feel, no matter matter how much you feel like you don't deserve to be able to worship him, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven and begin to praise him and thank him and worship him while they sing. One more time. I want you to come out from the bushes into your father's arms, and I want you to let him love on you for a while. Can you do that? Thank you, God. Lord, I know I'm not worthy. God, I know I've made so many mistakes. I know I'm dirty, God. I, I know I've done all I know all that, but God, you told me I could worship you. You said let everything have breath, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just going to praise you because your word told me I could. Not because I deserve it. Not because I'm worthy. Not because I'm clean enough, good enough, righteous enough, holy enough but just because you gave me the privilege to do it so God I'm worshiping you come on sing it folks sing it come on and I want everybody out here just to praise
2: Thank you pastor for that word. I believe that word from the was from the Lord, for, especially for me. Sister Kim is going to be out in the foyer right after church if, um, tonight. And if you haven't registered for the H.E.R.D. conference, we have a lot of the ladies here in the church that need to uh, register. And then the parking lot uh, team is going to meet at six o'clock for the Connors with Brother Connors this evening. And if you have your tithes, want to bring them forward. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this spirit that we felt here, God. Let it go forth, Lord. Go, let it go deep down into our hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you've got your tithes and your offerings, if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and bring them up. For-